0: Chances.
1: Oh, a brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, Di tecco
0: Tiro, Goal! 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 Goal!
2: Goal! Goal Andrea Pirlo will take, and it's voided, and it's in! A goal in 50 seconds the Milan. Would you believe it? Paolo Maldini, the skipper, has scored.
1: what's going on everyone welcome back to the footy fans podcast we are back from the long christmas and holiday break hope everyone had a good and safe holidays we have a lot to break down a lot a lot to talk about some things happened since our last episode if you want to go back and listen to it we had our whole uh semi-final recap and final preview for the world cup this is our first time getting together since the world cup took place i mean we can't avoid what happened. We have to talk about it a little bit. Of course. But then we will get to the EPL action. We will get to Ronaldo's transfer to Al Nassar. We will get to um, transfer rumors for the January transfer window being open now. But like I said, first things come first. Argentina versus France. The Argentinians come out on top. Messi, first uh, first ever World Cup for him, obviously. Brings it back to Argentina since 86, I believe, was the last time they won. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that last yeah. time. Um, I mean <laughs> greatest World mm-hmm. Cup of all time, greatest yep. final mm-hmm. of all time in any sport. This isn't your guys' initial reaction, but like what do you guys think about it? Like now that we can actually talk and, and break it down a little bit. Uh yeah, I mean um
2: Ironically enough, the first thing come to my mind is how like long ago it felt because we haven't uh met. Um <laughs> but I'm sure people on the podcast are thinking, like, oh, but you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, everyone comes out and like Comes out with a pod on it right away, but you know what? We're we're different here. We like let it simmer, and now we're coming back to it <laughs> so people can get a fresh perspective and relive all the moments. So
1: we have talked about it off air, like we had oh, many yeah. conversations. We just haven't been in front of a microphone to do so. Yeah, but now that we have our chance, yeah, we what like what else like what else can be said? You know, yeah, like it's the fact
2: that um it escalated so quickly towards the end of the game mm-hmm. um you know we i was even thinking you know halftime hit and it was and then you know argentina had 70th something minute hits and i was just sitting there thinking like it felt like it was a final where argentina was just gonna like cruise to their their title and it's like all right argentina's gonna win the world cup mm-hmm. and it's gonna be it um d maria came off everyone was hugging him kissing him whatever um, kind of like job well done, like, you know, and it's epic game for him. He's probably pumped, you know, um, earning a PK and then getting a goal. It's like dream final for him, especially at his age. Um, but we've talked about it. I don't even know how many times this podcast two two nil is a very dangerous score line. And it's even more dangerous in massive games because in finals, you just go into panic mode. Mm Because it's like, it's not like a league, you know, you got 38 games, you can like make it back or whatever. This is the World Cup final and you're, it's every four years and like, you're not going to make it to the final every single time you show up, right? This Mm -hmm. There's a lot of players where that's like the only final or the last final they're ever going to play in, you know, we'll talk about Messi in a second. So when you're 2 nil up and then you go 2-0 down, it is a massive blow to just the, your energy, your confidence, everything about the game. So the fact that that happened and then they just, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole breakdown of what happened. We can leave that for, mm-hmm. for Joe or someone else. But the, <laughs> the fact that that happened and then it just turned out the way it did is what made it so, I think, energetic because it's such a shift in energy. For a final, um, because of how how things shaped up, um, yeah, we can get into the full breakdown uh, right now. But that's just that's just my thing. It was I was like super nervous and uh, yeah. like it was, even Italy came. wasn't even playing. Had we nothing, were had nothing in it. <laughs> yeah. No, we had nothing in it. to, to get up. He's like, oh man, um, I'm spent. I love because even the because com- we say it all the time. Like we said, and then the commentators were like, oh, like everyone says two 0 is the most dangerous scoreline, but I'd rather be two 0 up, and you would the issue i think the issue with the 2-0 scoreline is when the first goal comes in it's like oh we're only one goal away from like not having a grip on this game yeah. and then the fact that the second goal happens so quick after 1 minute after it was like yeah. oh no <laughs> you know it just completely changed um and i think it's because if the other team scores that second goal they're at the advantage yeah. you have all the energy your confidence is crushed right yeah. so you're you go from 2-0 up to being the the less favorite to win, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, super exciting final. I thought France after Mbappe got the second goal, I was like, oh, France is probably going to go on and win this. And then they get to the extra time, and then Messi scored And <laughs> the other PK. Oh my gosh, uh, It was such a cluster. It and, was just unreal. It was and, so much energy and just so. Then like thoughts that we just get up we're like, oh my gosh, I'm like into this game right now. And I'm usually only into games when Italy's playing. um, Or it's like a big EPL game. Um, Yeah, when Man City plays. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, yeah, super intense. Really,
1: yeah, like the best soccer game I've probably ever watched on TV. Yeah, no, I agree with Joe too with the fact that I thought I thought Francis was going to win in regulation still. Mm -hmm. Because I think after the 90 minute, I think they added about 10 minutes. Yeah, or close to it, or something like that. Eight minutes. Yeah, of the whole new yeah way of the uh, the referees uh, guiding the extra time. like um, if this game is two two, France is going to win this game in regulation right now. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. And I think they both sides probably exchange chances within the regulation time. But yeah, once extra time kicked off, it is basically a zero zero game. No no. Yeah. France obviously had the momentum and the energy, but Messi getting a goal like that just kind of. Sets them back a little bit again, but then just right mm-hmm. afterwards again another PK in France's favor and Hattrick. hat trick. Like he sw- he scored hat trick in the final of the World Cup and he still lose. Yeah, yeah. Like and he scored in the PKs in the in the shootout. Yeah. So he scored four yeah. times on Lloris and three three of them were PKs and like, three, and three PK yeah. Like is,
2: the the mental just toughness to deal with that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know it's like a monumental thing when you have people who don't even tune into soccer that are watching it and. I know the World Cup kind of does that on its own every four years, but to this magnitude yeah, where you have people texting you, are you watching this game right now? You got to turn this game on. You got to go back and, you know, watch this game, like, live and everything. It's good. It's finally good to see that happen. Yeah. It's always, you know, a kudos to us because, you know, for, you know, almost an entire couple years, like, soccer gets, like, put on the back burner for, like, the mainstream media. Yep. If a Euro comes up, okay, maybe. When a World Cup shows up, yes, it's obviously huge and amplified. But, For people to say this is like arguably the greatest final of any sport, yeah, that includes Super Bowl, that includes World Series, like hockey playoff finals, NBA finals, any kind of thing up to the Olympics or gold medal games. For them to categorize this as maybe like a top five of all time, yeah, in the modern era of like sports and social media and everything, that's really cool, yeah, and it lived up to it too because it was nuts,
2: yeah, um, yeah, totally agree. I think it's. It's one of those things where, you know, probably there's a lot of people who don't watch footy and they say, like, you know, footy's boring. Um, And, you know, you get games like this and it's... This takes Mm -hmm. it to a whole other level, right? Um, But, no, I think for... For Messi in particular, um, I had the the thought, you know, after the fact, where, you know, the satisfaction of kind of, like, grinding out... uh, a final like this. I mean, cause obviously you can't, you can't hide the fact of like the impact he had, you know, scoring, scoring the PK, you know, he, him being able to do the things he does, I think basically contributed to their second goal. Um, with that little touch he made on the wing. Cause 90% of the time, that's just staying in your own half in possession. But um, he did that scored in uh, extra time. So I think, how it happened obviously is going to be like extra satisfying for him. But um at the end of the day, I think it was like really good to see him get uh, a final. Mm-hmm. Um You know, we talked about it where, you know, if he's going to win, it's because like he, you know, earned it type thing. You know, you, you don't just deserve it just because of who you are, but yeah, he, <laughs> he earned this one for sure. Uh, just, I I still got to look at all the stats for the game, but it'd be interesting to see like how, uh, what his work rate was like
1: and how much ground he covered. And it's not like all tournament he sat back and let LaTar Martinez take take center stage or Di Maria or whatever. He, uh, I think Mbappe sealed the deal for golden boot with his hat trick, but Messi Mm -hmm. was like one goal behind. Yeah. Um, Messi was named player of the tournament for obviously. But he you know, he cashed in on those goals, his opportunities score I think, four or five PKs um, overall. Uh, and he also got the assists and like you said, like just him being like his presence is obviously a huge contributing factor. But yeah, he didn't take a back seat to the Argentinian side, which we didn't think he was gonna do. We knew he was gonna perform and play well. But the level that he brought himself to was something mm-hmm. that we'd never seen before in Messi because a lot mm-hmm. of the times he does play for Barcelona. Well, PSG now. But mm-hmm. in his heyday, it was Barcelona and the team was nuts. team was stacked with like all all-star talent. and he was just like the final piece all the time to like make it perfect and make it work.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I don't it's tough because like I don't want to say he ever took a back seat because he didn't, but he made it look so easy and like effortless that you don't like you didn't take notice of it sometimes in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just so damn good. In this Argentinian side, they had a mix of youth and older players. New guys come in. The McAllister came in for the first time ever. And, like, he obviously was pretty impactful as well um, throughout the tournament. But he brought his game up to what we've seen before to, like, from a 10 to a 15 out of mm-hmm. 10. You know, mm-hmm. like it was absolutely insane. And he was feistier. He was more, more gritty. He was getting the ref's ear. He was showing a lot more emotion than we've ever seen before. And, yeah, we touched on it in our, our semifinal recap show, our preview show for the final. Yeah, I did not want him just to be gifted the World Cup final just because yeah. who he is. Mm-hmm. Like he, they grinded. Like they grinded this game out. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you know they won five nil and it was like a the messy show and like his final send off. Like they still had to get through this game. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a pushover win. It wasn't against you know a lower side. It was against France, the past champions. Like yep. everything was lining up for this game to be kind of like super intense like this. And I remember Mm -hmm. we talked about it too. Like, hopefully this game doesn't like balance each other out with a talent level. Like, Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's not not a boring game. Yeah. Clearly that didn't happen. No. And it it was
2: the best game ever. Yeah. There was a risk of that after the first like 78 minutes. Uh, and then there was like a crack like, in the floodgate, and then all of a sudden the waters came rushing. And I told Tom like it was because I said before I was like oh I, I'm envisioning like a cagey game. I was like it was not cagey, no, not a cagey game. Yeah, um, no, it was wide it, open. It was it was funny what the commentator said. One Maria came off, you know, he's like he's like you know pretty content, like all right, 80th minute, two 0 uh, or however whenever he came off, you know, satisfied, and then like mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's got to sit on the bench for all like, this yeah, mayhem for one another off. like. 45, 50 minutes, or whatever it was. And he's like crying when they get scored on, crying when they scored. Um, just <laughs> in just, you know, an emotional roller coaster on the bench when, you know, five minutes before you're, you're like getting ready to party.
1: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So the, yeah, when he came off, yeah. 64th. So for 15 okay. minutes he sat there.
2: So he, he was just chilling for, yeah, 15 minutes.
1: Just like pretty... On cloud nine. Pretty
2: pretty happy, and then all of a sudden, you're just like watching a PK shootout and <laughs> risking that everything you did didn't matter. <laughs> oh, seriously.
1: No, it was it was a hell of a game. Like I said, it was uh, the best I've ever watched as a yep. neutral standpoint. I mean, obviously, our 2006 emotions would probably be more or greater than this game. Yep. Um, just because of what was at stake for us. Yep. Uh, watching personally, but other than that, and maybe the Euro last year as well. Man. Other than those two instances, um, this is probably the most intense I've ever watched a game. Yeah. Uh It did not did not disappoint. No, not no, Let's just say that. And for Messi to sign off this way, I'm sure he probably won't play in the next World Cup. Yeah. Maybe a couple more uh, South American Cups. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But for him to finish off his career this way, I mean, like what else? What else do you want? Yeah. yeah it's like top of the mountain yeah Messi yeah. could have asked for yeah um let's just turn the tables now to another player who you know was always in the conversation with Messi Ronaldo mm-hmm. um, during the World Cup we found out he backed out of his contract or got out of his contract with Manchester United they parted ways I'm sure the Pierce Morgan interview that took place like the week before the World Cup didn't really help those yep those rela- relationships with Man U, but he was uh, able to part ways with the team. There was photos of him practicing and training with, um, with Ancelotti at uh, Real Madrid, just in the off time, mm-hmm. and you know everyone's like saying, "Where's Ronaldo going to go? Is he going to go to another big club? Is he going to stay in the Premier League and maybe go to a Man City potentially? Is he going to go back to Juve? What's he going to do?" Mm-hmm. And he signs with Al Nassar from mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia. Uh, not on everyone's radar. Nope. But he makes this big signing. Uh, it was a $20 million contract is what he signed for with the club. Yeah. But according to Transfer Market on the Transfer Market page on uh, Instagram, with all his commercial deals being included, his salary for the year is $200 million. Uh, euros. Yeah, mm-hmm. 200 million euros. So that breaks down. They did a whole breakdown here. $16.7 per month, 548000 per day, $23,000 per hour, Three hundred eighty dollars per minute and six, well, not dollars, six euros per second. He's being paid by Al Nassar. Yeah, for one year. Well, and the commercial deals and the commercial deals, yes. Um,
2: yeah. So, do we know how much of that is Al Nassar's? Like, like how much the two hundred million is Al Nassar paying, and how much is commercial deals? Because I would imagine, especially him being in Saudi Arabia, there might be a lot of you know. Well, there's definitely a lot. (laughs) A lot of wealthy companies that you know are now going to have. Uh, deals with him for, you know, commercials or whatever in
1: Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm curious how much that has to do with it.
1: Well, like I said, on the website here it says that if he was to leave, I believe, this, I think this is what happens, if he was to leave a club, let's just say thing let's just say it's a two year contract. I'm not totally sure. Two year contract, let's just say he signs with the club. If he wanted to leave and go to back to Real Madrid. Yeah. His contract is twenty million. Yeah. So he would have to be bought by Real Madrid, paid to Al Nassar, and then he'd mm-hmm. get that twenty million. Like that twenty million would now be paid by Bayern Munich, let's just say. Or yeah, sorry, Real yeah. Madrid. So that's like what his value because he didn't leave a club; he just signed yeah. as a free agent. So like he doesn't right. have like an actual. I think that would go. Yeah, that would go to Al Nassar.
2: Yeah, that mark value go to Al Nassar. But I did see something where I think new the owners of Al Nassar also own Newcastle. I think there's a clause in his contract. I mean, I heard that I read this online. It might not even be true. Um, there's a clause in his contract where if Newcastle make Champions League, he can go on loan to Newcastle. I don't know if that's true,
0: but oh, they're sitting so. pretty in third right now.
2: Yeah. I didn't know Al Nassar. Can you imagine Ronaldo make an yeah. appearance back in the EPL at Newcastle? Jeez. If you're Newcastle, do you want Ronaldo though?
1: See that's a weird question because like five years ago it's a no brainer, right? But like it's tough, man, because my, my okay, my dad. I've talked about my dad before in the podcast. My dad does not like Ronaldo. Yeah. When he signed with Juventus, my dad was pissed. Yeah. I'm like, Dad, you literally just got the best player in the world. Like, what are you mad for? And he goes, I don't like his personality. I don't like his. You know his ego and everything he brings. I'm like, yeah, but he also brings you 30 goals a year. Yeah, and helps you win, you know, Serie A titles. That was my dad five years ago. My dad still now says, "I wouldn't want Ronaldo on the team." He's still (laughs) going to get you 20 goals a year, no matter where he plays. Yeah. If he gets the opportunity, if he gets the playing time, he's going to score you 20 goals.
2: Yeah.
1: He, his value obviously is like a little, like a lot lower than what it used to be or what it is worth. But why would you not want twenty goals a year on your team?
2: Yeah.
1: Yes, the Eagles going to come with it. Yes, like the Flash is going to come with it. But at that, with that, it also brings in money and revenue for your club as well. Yeah, like it's it's a tough one to look at because he's not like everyone that's thirty seven years old, thirty eight years old is on like a farewell tour for the most part. Yeah. Right. You would think like Ibra, he's been hurt for a long time, but he's not. Playing 90 minutes a game and not playing every single game. Um, Togo Silva, same way. Defender, it's a little bit different than like a winger or a striker would play. But everyone around his age is like fading into like retirement. This guy can play till he's 45 if he wanted to. Yeah. If he just gets the opportunities, he can still hang and play. And I said he can get you 15, 20 goals a year easy Yeah. if he just plays.
2: Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like, do. You because obviously Newcastle have a really get the good thing going uh, and it seems like culture's really good uh Eddie Howe is like building a system and a foundation there I don't I'm not totally sold on the fact if bringing Ronaldo in for the short term would be super helpful for them I, Yeah like I like I agree with that He would be just like a uh
1: like a distraction almost like it's
2: that and I don't know if Eddie Howe would be able to like, hand, like, not handle his personality, but like, um, like manage that ego in the locker room because like no one at Newcastle really has egos. Yeah. So it might be a little bit odd. He would have to accept the fact that he's gonna go and just be like, you know, a squad player maybe. Um, like I don't know, like he's obviously not gonna go ahead of Wilson or anyone yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Um. I mean, he is still really good, but if he goes, he's going to accept the fact, like, hey, like, even though we're in Champions League, like, you might not play every single game. Like, I'm going to stick with the squad halves, yeah. but like, we can use you in certain scenarios. Um, So it might work out as long as everyone's on the same page that he, he's not going to be like the starting number nine, 90 minutes a game right. all the time. And I think that's what it would have to be with them. It's like, because he, I think he could contribute. I don't think he's someone you want to Lie necessarily on rely on or yeah. build a team around. He, I could, I could see him being someone that's just like, you know, his role is that they have the squad, and if they like need a goal or they or they need something like seventy fifth plus minute, then he comes in and tries to like influence a game.
1: But how is he different than Messi in that standpoint? Then, what do you mean? we like, because Messi, like Messi, starts every single game on PSG. So why can't run all those start every single game for United?
2: Well, like I if you if uh, you look on
1: paper, would you like? I mean, I'm just playing like devil's advocate here. Like, if you were to look at paper, would you not choose? If you're playing FIFA, the game, yeah, would you not start Ronaldo over Callum Wilson up top? Yeah, but I, I think I know what you're saying. Like the chemistry and like the yeah. player personality and like the like the relationship between the manager obviously plays a huge factor. I get that. Yeah, but at the same time, like you have to look at talent and just contributions over. Relationships and I'm not, I don't fully support this. I'm just trying to say, like, because his talent still is there. I'm not trying to doubt like how he plays and like everything like that. Yeah, but like, if you put him on, like, if he was to stay in the Premier League, does he have to go to like a middle, like a mid table team to get playing time?
2: Well, that's the thing. I think it depends on where the team's at. I think because Newcastle is where they're at, new owners, they're like on the up and up. I think that's something you don't want to have influenced by say an ego or someone that's going to like cause some issues. Um, but it was, it was a good point that uh, uh, Owen Hargreaves made. I think he was talking about where I think the big thing at Man U uh, according to him was there was like just a massive miscommunication miscommunication or just the communication, just maybe, you know, whether it was by accident or on purpose just wasn't there. Um, where it was never really discussed what Ronaldo's role for the team was going to be, you know, being a mentor, being the guy that the younger players could look up to and, like, what his role was going to be playing-wise. It was just Ten Hag came in and just, like, started, you know, mm-hmm. not playing him as much. And it was like, what's going on here? I think there might have been that, you know, communication barrier where it wasn't really discussed what his role was going to be. So then that's where that clash happened, right? So, yeah. It could have worked out there, and I think he could have stayed there if that would have been the role, and I think he might have been okay with that, but it just didn't happen that way, so now he's uh, out. But I don't know if that would be the best thing for
1: Newcastle, Mm -hmm. right? But but that's why I think, like, we knew that with Ten Hag and Ronaldo. Like, coming into Ten Ten Hag's, like, tenure at United, like, with him signing there and becoming the new coach, we knew he was not going to play him. Yeah. And I think that's why Ronaldo was so open on his Pierce Morgan interview. Because yeah. he basically ripped apart the club. Yeah. He didn't really talk about Tannik that much. He said the manager, like, yeah, him and like they didn't get along. But that manager didn't bring him in. Yeah. was it Solskjaer or was it Ragnik that had him? Solskjaer, I believe, right?
2: Uh, I think it was Solskjaer.
1: It was the I think or yeah, no- I think I think Ronaldo's first year. Well, back was gear yeah, and then I he got so. and then yeah. he left like halfway yeah. through the season. And then he had Ragnik. Yeah. So Ronaldo getting there was not ragnick who helped appoint Ten Hag.
0: Yeah.
1: It was not Ten Hag's idea, who's the manager now. It was the yeah. club. And like I said, I think before, um, we we talked about it before. I've mentioned before, Solskjaer was a pawn in like the Man U organization. Mm-hmm. Like I think he was just plucked and picked and put there and was told to do by the club. He, I don't think he had much say in how the club was run or how the team uh, was picked mm-hmm. and the players that they brought in. I think the club was looking more from like what Joe's always talking about, like a, mon- like a money mm-hmm. business standpoint. And when, when all of it became free, they're like, okay, we got to get them. We got to bring yeah. them back. It's going to be huge for the Jersey sales. It's going to be huge for the attendance. We're coming off a COVID hit year. We're down in you know revenue for, for fan tickets and all that stuff. Yeah. So they're going to bring in their golden boy mm-hmm. and – I mean, to his credit, he was impactful his first season there. Like he did, yeah. he did a decent job. He wasn't you know he didn't put up the the twenty five goals that we've seen before, but he was pretty impactful his first season with United and him and Bruno Fernandez like hooked up pretty well. But then after that, with Ragnick, he kind of was more like a developmental guy. Mm-hmm. Um, in his past his past gigs that he's been at, and then mm-hmm. same with Ten Hank, he developed um PSV into like you know a powerhouse they already were. A pretty renowned club, but he developed a lot of players and like had them go on um, big money transfers for the club and all that kind of stuff. So like, why would he want to have a 37 year old aging player in his side? Yeah, one who's going to play the likes of
0: mm-hmm. Garnacho
1: now and you know uh, get Rashford more playing time. Martial get him kind of kicking again. Yeah, why would he pick this guy to play? Yeah. So I think just personally, that, that move to United looked good two years ago, just for like the time period. But then yeah, he, he was never in the plans for the future with United. Especially mm-hmm. now with Ten Hag being there, it's like you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have Ronaldo be there as like your golden poster boy, but not get playing time. Yeah, because that's gonna hurt both parties. It's gonna hurt Ronaldo and the club. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I like mean,
1: he he, he could have been <laughs> like Everton or something, or like Leicester. Maybe that would have worked.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, that's the thing. If he if they would have had that that like conversation with him, who knows? Maybe it could have like worked out, and then he like stays at stays at menu. U I mean thinking about it now I don't think he would really fit in there where it's like you know he stays at menu, U becomes like involved with the team and a manager thinking about it now I don't really think that's his role I think you know he would just go to the next challenge mm-hmm. go you know eventually I do see him in the MLS um,
1: in his mind he's still 25 like Ronaldo
2: yeah yeah
1: he, he still thinks he's you know primo Real Madrid which is like yeah. you have to have that. Yeah, as, yeah, you're not, you're player,
2: not, you're not that good if you don't have the mentality, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, kind of unfortunate the way it played out. I mean, you, um, like you said, I Ten Hag is getting off to a really good start. Um, hopefully, he just totally turns the ship around and United you know, changes for the better. Um, it's one of those things where. I do still think that there is a lot of internal work that has to be done at United if they want to get back to like competing for titles, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of how the club is run. Because, um, like I said, like it it goes to more than just getting in a good manager. You need like a good like recruitment system and like all this stuff. So, hopefully, that ten, this Ten Hag catalyst kind of turns all that around. Yeah, they if they win their game in hand, they're sitting
1: in third. Hmm. They'll skip yeah. past Newcastle. They will. You Newcastle just dropped a second to uh, third place, I think, this weekend. This past weekend.
2: Believe. What do you mean dropped?
1: Like, they they were in second, I think.
2: Oh like, were they not? I don't think so. No, I think they were always sitting in third. They went or, to second for a bit. They were in like City One a few yeah. hours, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I remember, yeah. I might have been next. I, I think they played like opposite days, like Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. So I think going into Sunday or something, they were in second yes. place. I remember saying no, that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um Do you guys want to shift but, to the
2: to the standing? Yes, definitely want to shift there now because it's there's so many interesting things just happening in the top four. Like you could talk for a while on each of these things. So we got Arsenal in first, City second, Newcastle third, Man U fourth. <sighs> like where do you even start? Yeah, <laughs> Let's, let's so, go from the
1: top down. Uh, so
2: Arsenal, you know, I've, they've just been picking up games. You know, they're winning. Uh, they didn't have that draw against uh, Newcastle yesterday which was the first time they dropped points in what feels like forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they're, they you know, with that and then with City dropping points, they're sitting uh, eight points clear. Granted, City have a, a game in hand. Um, and it I still have the caveat where they haven't played each other. Um, they have to play each other twice and that's going to be a big telltale sign of what's going to happen. But City tying Everton, which is kind of, you know, I want to say it's like a repeating story of the season, but they've only had three draws and two losses. But for Man City, it's kind of the thing that happens with them where they're in total control of games. But they just can't see it out. You know, mm-hmm. they, we've seemed like it. they got over that hump with Holland, but there's still these games where they're just totally in control up 1-0 and then they get scored on and they drop points. Yeah. Um so with that draw and then Arsenal coming back and beating uh West Ham, which was wild because they were losing uh for a bit in that game. Um I think I might be leaning more towards Arsenal with mm-hmm. the asterisks that they have to play each other, yes. yeah. but they just keep they just keep producing the results yeah no they look like super super strong to be honest Mm -hmm. um it's like they're more convincing in a lot lot of games than city is convincing which is odd because with the teams that he have you you would i guess you could say like city's better on paper but like everyone's obviously like very high quality on both teams so it's like you know yes they have holland they have de bruyne who are like you know arguably the two best players in the epl um but Arsenal just seem like they're just so. I feel like they free flow like really, really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How many more towards Arsenal as well? Um, yeah. You, It's, you, it's crazy because like City have Holland, which is like the, it felt like the missing piece. But like you said, they're just dropping these points that they, sh- you know, probably shouldn't be dropping, which is very strange.
1: Yeah, you can easily say that these sides are the two most complete teams. Yeah. yeah, in the Premier League, there's not many gaps. No, um, top to bottom, Arsenal losing Gabriel Jesus from the World Cup is gonna be a little, a little mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, um, they're gonna have to have Nketiah pick up a lot of the slack there, which he's, he's done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's scored already. Um, since, since Arsenal's been back playing, but like something just touched on with with Man City not being able to see matches out to the to the full ninety, it's just been like a couple of mental errors and like just silly, yeah. like silly things. It's just like footy things that happened during a match mm-hmm. that Man City never really see happen to them are happening this season for whatever reason. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, it's every time you, you know, you look at the past couple of seasons, there's times at Liverpool that's happened to them. Like it's yeah. kind of like a lucky bounce happens or unlucky bounce. In Liverpool's case, what happened to them and they get scored on, they lose a the game or they draw a game that they had to win. And then Man City would just like see it out. Mm-hmm. Um, during the COVID year, Man City had like no COVID injury or no injuries, no COVID um, cases. They had games postponed, which actually helped them. And Liverpool like almost died. Like, every, like yeah. everyone from Liverpool mm-hmm. got sick in the same three-week span, and they yeah. dropped like you know six, seven points. Um, but now we're seeing it kind of catch up to Man City. I don't want to say it's karma because that's like you can't say that. But it's just the little things that we did not so The little mistakes that we never used to see Man City make. Mm-hmm. They're happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those are the, those are the. Intangibles that you just can't account for in, in footy yeah. games, and it's just, it's just biting them in the ass right now. Yeah, yeah. it's it's funny how,
2: like you said, City's totally in control of the game. They have all these chances, they don't put it away. Rodri makes one, you know, mistake of a pass, not like a, a huge deal. You know, misplaced pass. They go on a counterattack and they go score, and it's just like the one yeah. thing that happened. It's like. You don't see that happen a whole lot, but I guess it's just one of those things that happens when, uh, you know, you're a top team and I feel like teams really try and take advantage of chances that they get if they know they're not going to get a lot. So that might have something to do with it, but yeah, you know, they, they just make uh, some errors and they get punished for it, which is pretty tough on them. And I think they're going to feel pretty hard done by, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's the the key thing. You know, you get you have three draws, two losses, and now you're sitting behind a team like Arsenal who's just rolling two draws, one loss. Um Yeah. Um I personally think if Arsenal beat City in any of those games, I think if Arsenal come away with a win and a tie against City in the two matches they have to play against each other, I think
1: it could be wrapped up. Yeah. They play each other February fifteenth. At the Emirates, and then I don't know which ones like the replay, or which ones like the actual yeah. game. 26th. They play April twenty sixth at the Etihad. So that oh, that might be a doozy. That April match is the sixth last match. Yeah, yeah. of the
2: season.
0: Um, so, so I, yeah, I never
2: want to say it's wrapped up because you never know what can happen with the last stretch, but the the confidence they would have I think is would be massive yeah. at that point if that's what the the results they can get yeah that game's gonna like it's close enough to the end where um yeah if Arsenal if it stays how as it is now and Arsenal wins that game it's probably done mm-hmm.
1: and just like looking this far ahead of the schedule is kind of irrelevant but yeah. that April 26th match is followed by Chelsea on the 29th and Newcastle on the sixth.
2: Yeah, tough
1: big so, week yeah. for Arsenal. Yeah.
2: What uh what does City got last
1: City years? towards the end of the season have um the Arsenal match, then they got Fulham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, and Brentford. So easier path for City. Especially <laughs> well, I, with with Chelsea being there. Um they lose your They lost to Brentford already.
2: They did. And they tied, and they St- tied St- Everton,
1: they tied Everton. Well, they smashed Chelsea. Right? Um <laughs> Yeah. I I mean I think my money's still gonna be on Arsenal and this is my this is completely my own fault here, but I haven't really checked the standings like since play has restarted again. I've been looking at the games here and there and like mm-hmm. checking the matches and the score lines. I did not realize that Man City is only one point heavy united right now. Yeah. Like with the game in handy after City, but like what the hell happened? Yeah. <laughs> like like I know like we 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 kinda tore Man U apart at the beginning of the year saying like Ten Hag is, is like maybe lost the team, Ronaldo, and all this controversy. They started off pretty poorly. Um, we gave them the Arsenal treatment of last year of, like, are going to get relegated? Um, that actually got the most hits, I think, on our YouTube channel for our shorts. Yep. Uh, everyone check us on YouTube, on uh, Fans and on Instagram as well. Uh, we post reels on there and everything. But they're back. Like, Manny's yep. back. Mm-hmm. Like Tenning's got them playing pretty well. And to be at this stage of the season, like halfway through pretty much, to be only one points back from, like, your main city rivals, like, they haven't yeah. been here for a long time. No, it's yeah. been a like, while since they've been here. It's been a while since they've been in the Champions League um, standings or kind of sniffing around there. But to be this close to Man City, yeah, like, is is Manchester turning back red again, or what's going on?
2: I wouldn't say it's turning red. Um, I think Man U has a lot of work to do if they want to reach the caliber cities at. Yeah. Um, I think it's just one of those situations where Manu's having a really good run, and cities, you know, they've had two games, they lost one, drew another one, and just like that, they they drop a little bit. And there's not a ton of wiggle room at the top of the table. Um, but yeah, I think huge resurgence from Manu, and I think the fans are just gonna
1: eat this up. Mm-hmm. Manu and Fulham are the only two clubs that have had, um. Consecutive wins since the return. Uh, Bref's got two wins in a row actually as well, but I think they played three matches in total. Mm -hmm. Um, All the teams basically now. So they're arguably the hottest club right now since the return of of footy in, in the Premier League since the World Cup. And if they can keep this ball rolling, all they have to do is pull away from Tottenham a little bit more. Liverpool, we don't. I mean, they're. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're in the same realm of Chelsea of like super up in the air. I don't even know what's going to happen there. But if they can pull it from Tottenham and just kind of solidify that top four spot and start to maybe fight with Newcastle and Man City, which would obviously help Arsenal mm-hmm. in that case, because um, everyone's everyone's going to be scoreboard watching coming up now. Yeah. And um, scoreboard watching, standings watching, and you can tell Man City might get a little shaky. Newcastle will have nothing to lose, so I think they can just kind of bounce back and keep playing the same way they've always have this season. But if you're Man City looking down the table and you see your neighbors catching up to you, maybe, yeah. Peck, maybe Peck is a little shaky in the boots. Maybe he, you know, he's going to look at it and say, boys, like, we got to start playing a little better here. He might give a little more tenacity in the club and try to fire them up, which could help them or backfire against them. Like, I mean, you look at the the goals for and goals against as well. For Man City to be a plus 28, leaving the table, um, 44 goals for Western, I mean, Howland's got like, 40 of those, it seems like. allen has got 22 of those. Uh, and <laughs> I saw a stat, actually. I saw a stat. It was, he's only a couple goals away from what Salah and Son matched last year for, for Golden Boot, and he's only played, like, 15 games.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is absolutely Imagine. insane. He
1: had, like, 25 games, or 20 games left, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, for them to be having that goal differential, that's obviously what Man City kind of always does, but... A standout for me is that Newcastle does not allow goals. No. Mm-hmm. They only have 11 against. And I remember last year, they were, I think, a negative team, I believe, in goal differential until Eddie Howe got there and maybe started to turn it around a little bit. But to only allow 11 goals in 18 matches is pretty damn good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Super, super solid from them at the
1: back. As well as, um, for, as well
2: as scoring 32. Yeah. Uh yeah, and you know, that's why they're they're kind of sitting where they're at. I mean, they're just putting really solid performances in and getting results. Um and I I honestly have them as a favorite right now for Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they <laughs> uh just to consist I still think it's gonna be a battle for fourth. Um but if obviously if Manny keeps going on this run, I think that's gonna be tied up as well because you know, Tottenham Have a little bit of an inconsistent run. Uh, Liverpool is just sitting kind of solid there in sixth. And we got Chelsea just having a bad run of games sitting there in tenth. Uh, So I don't really see just right now who else is going to make top
1: four besides who's sitting there right now. Yeah, the big Mm -hmm. showdown could be between Man U and Tottenham. Yeah. And Liverpool, again, we just, well, I just kind of give him a little chirp, but you can't count them out. Yeah. We, I I think the biggest impact for Liverpool is losing Sadio Mane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he's just, he's more than just a goal scorer for that club. You know, he takes pressure away from Mo Salah. He allows him to get more space on the field. He assisted on a ton of Mo Salah goals in the previous seasons for, or for Liverpool as well. So his absence has been massive. Mm -hmm. And by them trying to fill in the gap with like Darwin Nunez, um, who's the other guy uh, Diaz that they have there too? Mm-hmm. It's just not the same. Yeah, right. And I think that's been a pretty big downfall for Liverpool. I mean, they have scored thirty four goals, but them giving up twenty two. I mean, we we never seen that with, no. with them really. They they did use to smash teams. You know, four, the odd four three game would be kind of electric for Liverpool. The five two game or something like that. A little bit of high, more high scoring, but mm-hmm. to have this close of a differential, um, it's not the way Klopp likes to play. Yeah. Especially with them playing a lot of pressure on teams. Like they like to have ball possession as well. Yeah. So for them to give up 22 goals at this point in the year is, is a lot. Yeah. And, but if, again, if, if they can just, you know, spend the time to lock that down, they can come back easily mm-hmm. and they can put a run together of, you know, five, six wins and they could hop up into those you know top three, top four spots pretty easily. They're sitting in 28 points right now, seven back from United and fourth, but the cool part about EPL is that's three points a game, man. Mm-hmm. It's three point swings every single time you play. Yeah. So you just come back in two games. United drop two, Liverpool win two. Boom, they're one point back. Yeah, like just like that. And you can say that for anybody as well. Like it's obvious, but when again, if you're table watching and you watch Liverpool start climbing the ranks, you might get a little scared. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we normally we're talking at this time at the Christmas break, and they've already played what twenty. Two games. Yeah. Twenty three games or so. Yeah. There's still a ton of footy left in the season, boys. Yep. Got quite a lot to quite a lot to play. The most games played is eighteen by some of these clubs and as low as sixteen by others. Yeah. We still got twenty you know, twenty two games games left for other teams. Twenty games.
0: Yep.
2: It's a lot. Sixty points. A lot of it's why margins are so thin. Real thin. Real real thin
1: like Chelsea's back line. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Chelsea. <laughs> uh, I don't know.
1: I've been waiting for you guys to bring it on to me, but I've been avoiding it myself. Uh, oh, I uh,
2: said they were in 10th. I just <laughs> I heard, I heard of, them, yeah, that yeah. Little, little plug in there. Yeah, I
1: low-key heard you say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, What's going on? They just stink, man. They stink. I showed you guys that, that post. It was the last seven results. Um, one win, three draws, three... Three losses dating back to match day 12, um, 12 against Brentford. Those are you know, the last, like I said, the last seven matches. Um, five goals for eight against. Grandpa is standing there with his hands in his, oh, I, you know, the rabbit on his butt, you know, saying, like, what the hell's going on here? But this team just doesn't know how to score. And this yeah. team just doesn't know how to defend that sometimes as well. And, <laughs> During the Nottingham Forest game, remember the commentator said that Chelsea, like the goal was scored on a corner kick or off a corner kick, the commentator said that Chelsea's had a, par- a hard time this year defending corners. I literally stood up off the couch and I yelled, "They've had a hard time defending corners for the last ten years. <laughs> like this team cannot defend a cross. They can't. Yeah. They." <laughs> and even this is even dating back to the John Terry, you know, Gary Cahill uh, Gary Cahill games, and and those kind of days, they just can't defend a cross for whatever yeah. reason. It's been a huge problem for this side. And for them to concede like that against Nottingham Forest, I mean it was off a sloppy play from a corner. It wasn't a like, directly off a header or anything. Yeah. But for them to concede that, it was just the most typical Chelsea thing yeah. that they could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And I you know I did a big eye roll and I'm said, okay, of course this happens again to like my club. Can't see a win out, even though they had a one-nothing lead. And they're just not putting teams away, going going back to Man City. Like, they get a lead for like you know, on the thirtieth minute, let's just say they can't see it out.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and and they don't do enough to put them away to go up three nil or three one. And yeah, it's just tough because like the the Chelsea of of old, when they did perform the best, they had a number nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you look at the clubs that are performing well this year. Man City have a number nine. Newcastle, Callum Wilson have a number nine. Tottenham. Gary, oh uh, Harry, Gary Kane, Harry Kane. <laughs> I said Gary Cahill. No, I got Gary Cahill. <laughs> I got <laughs> also Gary, not Harry Kane. <laughs> Harry Cahill, in my head. Uh, Harry Kane, number nine. Like they have like these top players that can just perform for them and put them away and like just guaranteed goals. Chelsea, they're playing Haberts in that spot, and Aubameyang is even getting starts anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are you doing? Like you're just you're filling holes with players that you have, not players that you need
2: yeah i mean and i think it goes back to you know what i said they you had tushel who had his own system and he wanted to build a team around this system
1: how long ago did that feel by the way a long time <laughs> um very long time <laughs> glass, <Is that> glass? <laughs> <laughs>
2: sorry just one glass okay. anyway nice um so there was that and i saw a lot of the comments on that post and they're like it's almost as if tushel like wasn't the issue um and, like, I, it's it's going back. Like, I don't know if that was the best decision, you know, because this team was built around, like, Tuchel, and he won, like, they won Champions League 2021. um, So, and, like, you bring in Potter, who, you know, maybe he's not the most experienced guy, but he didn't have a transfer window to, like, build a team. He's just like, right. hey, these are the guys you have. It's like, do what you got to do. So I don't know if it's totally his fault. It's just like a, a, a mishmash of, like, tough scenarios to deal with and you know i don't think potter's totally to blame because like i said he's he's like here's the team and he's like well okay i gotta play try and play my way with these guys which they may may or may not fit the system so mm-hmm. it's tough
1: and that's why it's being a manager spot. at chelsea is going the hardest jobs to get because the the expectations and like the leash that you have is so short mm-hmm. sorry the expectations are so big but the leash is so short yeah. for what you can do as a manager. And the only thing I can say about Tuchel that he maybe didn't do properly was just get players.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, he might have had a system of, of, like, being really defensive, but he didn't counter that by getting players that can score and put the ball away. Like, Mm -hmm. he locked guys down. Like, there was, like, like, I mean, him having Rudiger there at the back was huge. Yeah. Like, Rudiger for Chelsea, like, he's been our best defender for the last five, six years Mm -hmm. uh, since his arrival there from... Germany somewhere <laughs> I want to say yeah no Roma Roma maybe Roma I'm not yeah. sure yeah it was Roma and um, so yeah he he kind of built the team defensively around that kind of core he had Kovacic come in he had Conte obviously already being there and they they killed it they were winning games one nil, but they were they were locking it down one nil. yeah this Chelsea team can't do that they can't they can't hold the lead Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Tuchel is to blame for that reason because they did have so many defenders go for the free. They had Christian go for free to Barcelona. Rüdiger go for free to Real Madrid. They couldn't figure out contracts there, but they didn't bring in sure enough replacements to keep that defensive core there.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: bring in Silva, It's good, not but not if you need him to play 90 minutes a game. Yeah. Every yeah. single game. Same with Azpilicueta, same kind of thing. The Reese James injury this year is really hurting them as well, and Ben Chilwell not being fit as well is really tough for those like wing players. Um, because a lot of their creativity offensively does come from the wings with Chelsea with those kind of guys. Yeah. So then being out is, is really hurting them. But that doesn't give an excuse for your center backs not be able to play soccer properly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not be able to, you know, lock eyes down and defend properly. And that's kind of been Chelsea's, you know issue this season. The eighteen goals against is huge, but only twenty goals for. Like, that, you can't be, you can't keep that. You know, that's not sustainable. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Like look at all the other teams that are in the top, you know, top five, uh, top five or sorry, top six, all double-digit goal differential, except for Man U, who they kind of stink defensively as well. But at least they're putting goals away. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, I don't know like what the, the quick surefire thing is to fix Chelsea. I don't know if they can yeah. do anything in January. It's going to be a huge... Um, impact. They were talking about getting Enzo Fernandez, the young Argentinian player mm-hmm. who put on a show for Argentina. I, yep. I love the kid. I remember him seeing the game against uh, Mexico. I just kind of said like, this guy would be great for Chelsea. Like He'd be a great fit. Yeah. And then come the end of the end of the tournament, there was a lot of Chelsea talks with him, which I was kind of surprised by. Like Chelsea was like the leading club uh, in discussions, and I believe they they settled on a contract between player and club. But then Benfica has like, a release clause like, of a hundred twenty million or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I don't know he's not if we're gonna spend anywhere. that on a nineteen year old like who hasn't really proven himself in the league yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But his World Cup showing was was really strong and I was impressed by him. Maybe he's a player for the summer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we bring him now in January is is a good uh good idea. But I mean like a quick fix isn't really gonna happen. It's not gonna really save yeah. the season. It's not gonna help us to really get into the Champions League spots, maybe Europa League if we're lucky. But the way the season's unfolded, it's been pretty disappointing from a Chelsea standpoint.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking at their uh, their like positioning over the season. You know, obviously first five matches, things are like kind of crazy up and down. Then they, you know, getting sitting as high as fourth uh, with a few consistent wins, but just this last string of games has really, really hurt them. Yeah,
1: they dropped three straight before the break.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see what happens next with Chelsea. Um, I think this is going to be just uh, another one of those years where they got to just take it on the chin.
1: I'm tired of those years. Yeah. My <laughs> chin's getting sore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, um, again, it's it, oh, it does seem like m- most seasons, uh, and I think it's hard for it not to be this way, but... There's always a few of like, quote unquote, the big clubs that are really struggling. You know, in this case, you know, Chelsea more so, but you got Liverpool as well, where I would really like to see a season where, you know, you got the top four now. You have Todd and Liverpool and Chelsea all like just all firing on cylinders. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like math wise, if that's even possible. But I think to an extent you could have something where you have those. What is that? Seven teams?
1: you want to consider? Yeah, it's almost a third of the table, right yeah, if you there. You want right. to consider
2: Newcastle up there now, but it would be interesting to see if you have like a massive battle where like all those teams are really playing well, mm-hmm. and they're like getting the results against, I guess, the all against the teams they should beat, if you want to look at it that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, it just does seem where there's always one of those teams that are just having a
1: really rough go. Yeah, yeah, it's like an outlier team, like like yeah. Man U for the last couple of years. Yeah, before that, it was yeah. Tottenham last couple of years, and then Chelsea. And...
2: Well, I mean, it's so like com- like it said, the EPL so competitive. Like you look <laughs> now with Newcastle off, there's a, there's like seven quote unquote like big teams fighting for four Champions League spots, and they got Fulham who's having a great run. Brighton is still doing really well. even with Grand Potter leaving, and Brentford. I just saw a stat what they won. From the top six clubs, they won five and drew one or won four and drew two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just like Giants slayers. Nice. So it's just like, it's very tough. Very competitive.
1: And we all agree that Arsenal are probably going to see it out. Yeah. Joe?
2: I think so. Yeah, I'm leaning that way. I got to wait for the city game.
1: The, yeah. Like I said, it's tough. Like, Arsenal has done enough. Yeah, Arsenal has done enough for me to be confident in them this year. Yeah. So far. They they haven't really had slip-ups. Yep. Yeah. Like, the one loss to Man U, okay, you're going to lose a game. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. You didn't lose to freaking Nottingham Forest. Yep. You lost to, you know, Man United. Um, The two other draws just took place against Newcastle. And you know, yep. third place team in the league right now. And then the other draw, I don't know who they tied. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Um. It's just,
2: it's interesting to think back to the documentary where, like, last year was all about Champions League. Like, we need to make champions. Let's just get there. Just get there. So close. Don't make it. This year, it goes from that it goes from like bottom of the table, start of last year to now. It's like we better win the title, <laughs> and you gotta get, like and, and like you're like you you're a team that can say that. Like you, it's not like you're bottom table. Like you are Arsenal, mm-hmm. and now it's this year. It's like no, like we're it's not crazy that like we're a good enough team. Like we are competing
1: for titles. Like mm-hmm. that's just what our team identity is now. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the time on this podcast, I think we talk more—we give more praise to the players than we do to the manager. Arsenal's turnaround has been a lot of the manager. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and going back to that documentary that Tom just talked about, like we could see it firsthand, and you could see behind the scenes, and like what an what a manager can really do to impact a club. Arteta, like he's all in. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> for <laughs> for Arsenal, right? Yeah. And. He, I mean, like his his tactics, his personality, his emotion with the team. I mean, there's maybe three other managers in the league that can maybe do that. Maybe Pep. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe. Oh, sorry. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Pep or Klopp can kind of match that level of intensity for yeah. for the club. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just goes to show too that just bringing in players that are going to fit the side. They needed. They need a striker. They're bringing Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. They need an impactful like wing player, defensive player. They're bringing Zinchenko, like. Mm-hmm. Everything, like everything that the Arsenal has done for this year, has worked. Yeah, and them losing Gabriel Jesus for I don't know how long it's going to be now, but from the World Cup, this is kind of the first adversity we're going to see Arsenal face this this part of the season. Yeah, um, hopefully he gets a speedy recovery and can come back and help them out. But mm-hmm. you know, you win your game, your first game back, you draw against Newcastle. I mean that's probably best case scenario going forward for them, but we'll have to see like you know what can what they can do and hopefully what they can sustain in these next couple of games because it's going to mm-hmm. be like like this part of the season right now you can really see a lot of moving and shaking because coming off the of World Cup teams might be a little bit sleepy they might be a little bit groggy a lot of players coming back um, I mean some guys that played for Argentina like McAllister just came back like yesterday I think. Yeah. For, for Brighton. So he's already missed two or three matches. Yeah. Um. Same players like from France or wherever. They might not be back in full side yet. So we'll have to see in the next couple of games like what that's going to mean for a lot of clubs. But if you were to be a club to try and snatch a few points, like now would be the time. Mm-hmm. You know, try and get some places back. Now mm-hmm. would be like the ideal Yeah. scenario for that to happen. Because once a few weeks go by or a month goes by and we're getting to February... You know that both teams are going to be, or every club is going to be full force. But then Champions League comes back into play. Mm-hmm. You know those draws come in. You're going away to Real Madrid. You're going away to Newcastle. Or going away to whoever. Bayern Munich. It's going to be, uh, you know, a tough road ahead. But mm-hmm. in Arsenal's case, like Sansa just touched on, they got Europa League. Yeah, a little less, little less competition than you know yeah. Man City playing against who. Uh, Leipzig or something? Or I yeah, it's not a massive round of sixteen.
2: Yeah. Round of sixteen tie, I think. Leipzig,
1: Chelsea got Brucia Dortmund.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think who's playing? Barca playing PSG. Is that right? Um, I don't know. Let's check here. Yeah, I don't even know when Champions League starts again. Yeah, it's February.
1: February. Yeah. All right. Uh, I I'm, I'm not talking more. Scott jinxed. (laughs) we're all trying to look and like so you can find it first
2: who's gonna win
1: got terrible internet right here oh
2: here we go Tuesday oh Oh, here we go yeah oh PSG and Bayern that's it
1: Man City, Leipzig Real Madrid, Liverpool Chelsea and Dortmund Tottenham Tottenham and Milan it is, and that's coming the weeks of February 14th and the 15th, and then the return legs on the 21st and 22nd. So, yeah, that's what I said. Like, come February, you're going to be back in the grind of Champions League, going away matches. You got FA Cup matches coming up. Chelsea actually playing Man City back to um, back, and then Premier League tomorrow on Thursday, and then also on the weekend in FA Cup match. So we'll see what that. <laughs> see if Chelsea can maybe squeak something out in one of those two games. Mm-hmm. From my selfish standpoint, but. Um, the rest of your Premier League schedule looks as followed. Uh, Chelsea and Man City are the only game for tomorrow. Uh, a lot of other games dropped up today and yesterday, and then on the weekend, Aston Villa versus Leeds, Man U and Man City on fourteenth January fourteenth. So I think that actually might be that might be postponed. Oh, wait, no, maybe not. Why would it be postponed? Because I think Chelsea plays Man City in FA Cup. I maybe they moved the FA Cup match. I don't know. Chelsea, Jan-
0: no, Chelsea plays Fulham on the
2: twelfth. FA Cup, January eighth. Yeah, Sweden. so January
1: eighth is FA Cup. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's, I mean, that's Sunday. City. It just didn't come up on the schedule for whatever mm. reason. Um, and then yeah, Chelsea Fulham on the eighth, and then yeah, so then Manu and City play on the fourteenth. That's going to be a big one for the Manchester Derby. Finally, a time that it actually matters in the standings. Wolves and West Ham, Nottingham Forest and Leicester, Brighton, Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, Brentford and Bournemouth, Chelsea Palace, another London Derby, Newcastle and Fulham and Tottenham and Arsenal, the North London Derby on Sunday, January the 25th. Really good.
2: many games here. Yes.
1: Yeah, so we have, it's FA Cup weekend, this coming up weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We um, Highlighted by the Chelsea Man U- uh, Chelsea and Man City match, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be like I said, it's th- these next few games are going to be so intense because of mm-hmm. just everyone's adrenaline's pumping and everyone's back to playing competitive footy for the for the domestic clubs uh, and a lot of these guys too, like guys from Leeds, like how many guys left to go to you know the World Cup guys yeah. from. Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. They've just been sitting around mm-hmm, just chilling. So they're hungry. They're chomping on the bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how many relegation sides as well can kind of pull themselves out mm-hmm. of that spot. Southampton dropping points today at Nottingham Forest uh, does not help their campaign. Nope. To try and stay afloat along with Wolves and Everton who are now dropping the relegation zone. Look at the red down here on this. On this <laughs> I mean, it's area. crazy. Oh, like these teams too.
2: Like Southampton, Wolves, Everton, West Ham. Like those are good. Like they're good teams. Everton's back in relegation scrap after last year too. After all that.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Joe just like, looks
2: down, disappointment. After all that, there's like all
1: the excitement.
2: Oh man,
0: just it back at the, five.
1: Five points separate twentieth to thirteenth. Yeah, so that's again. again yeah. We talk about two wins, three two win losses slides. in a row. Yeah, there's five oh points between that, and then five points yeah. between the thirteen.
2: People. There's a clear, there's a clear cut I mean, now
1: there is between Crystal Palace and like the bottom teams. Yeah, it's like
2: very Crystal cutoff. Palace twenty two. Like
1: yeah, but of those thirteen teams in the bottom, like literally any of those can get relegated.
2: I mean, pro- you would think probably not Leicester, but I don't know anymore. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I've never <laughs> actually. I mean, it is still a little bit early um i mean i don't i don't know if i've actually ever seen this with with like everyone here has played at 18 or 17. i don't know if i've ever seen it this tight yeah i mean we'll see like 20th and 13th we'll see as it gets a little bit later like like you said it's it's not early but i don't know Heck
1: (laughs) Wait. Also, how is West from, Ham this from from ten to twenty? Only one team has won a game in the last in the last match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like
0: Chelsea, oh, Nottingham Forest
1: tie, Palace loss, Leicester loss, Leeds tie, Nottingham Forest. A, they beat Southampton. Bournemouth loss, West Ham tie, Everton loss, Wolves tie, Southampton loss. Like, just not a good run of form for the bottom half of the table. Yeah, oh no. Man. And I include Chelsea in the bottom half.
2: Yeah, definitely a clear clear gap here. Um might be a very interesting relegation battle. I can't, go hey. back. <laughs> <laughs> who's like who's going to get relegated?
1: Southampton. Wolves doesn't Wolves don't score. Wolves just don't score goals. And then the third one there I don't know. I I think maybe Bournemouth can slide back down. Yeah, I, I don't see
2: Everton getting relegated or West Ham. I think, I think it's gonna probably be Leeds, Nottingham, or Bournemouth. But yeah, Wolves, like Wolves, can't score. They have eleven goals. Eleven.
1: That's been the issue for a while now. Even yeah. like last year, the last year, I, mean, I think two years ago they finished top eight. I think. And last year they were kind of outside the top ten, but yeah, with those like with those lacking of goals that they had, they could actually lock it down defensively, and they could yeah. play pretty decent under Nuno. But I mean, yeah, eleven goals for twenty-seven against so that's not going to get you anywhere. Uh-huh.
2: You know. I'm shocked at West, because where did West Ham finish last year? Good question, Joe. They were pretty high up, and like their is relatively the same. Seventh. Seventh. Same manager, same team. They're just sitting. Yeah, the boys, boys. Madness. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Anything. There, like you said, there's like a ton of games left, so it's going to shape up a lot differently. Like you said, especially when you're at the bottom, like if you go down, like wins are... Like, goes without saying wins are wins are huge <laughs> when you're in a relegation scrap like you win two games you're like we're out
1: yeah <laughs> you win <laughs> one game you're out yeah
2: it's like that Everton tight? win two games twenty one points are like oh we're mid table we're good <laughs>
1: yeah like, seriously yeah then any- <laughs> you win two games in a row you're top ten <laughs> like, you're fighting with Chelsea yeah no, it's it's yeah it's why I, I love that's why the that's why the Premier League so much fun because it's not just like Basketball or hockey, where it's just like you—you you get to stay there. Yeah, like there's a lot at stake right now. Yep. And mm-hmm. speaking of, you know, teams that don't just stay there, a lot at stake. How's our Rexham boys doing? Die, but
2: I think they were in second last time I checked, four points behind, but they have a game in hand.
1: Oh, I, they, I think I saw they won their last died. game. Rexham. Yeah, we usually send. We usually spend the last. um, a little bit of time here. Talk about Wrexham, uh Ron Reynolds, and his friends team. And his friends. Rob <laughs> McLeaney. Uh, yep. Two points behind Knott's County. With game in second place with a, in place mm, with in a match in hand. Yep. Mm. So we'll see. But these have like I think they play a ton of games, right? Yeah, they play like forty-eight something games. Forty no 40, 46 games. Yeah.
2: And they're how 25. they're 7 points ahead of third against Chesterfield.
1: Yeah. But y'all just win baby. Just get the first get yeah. the first spot and uh you're good to go. Look at this. So 17-5 and 2. 17-7
2: seven and 1. A lot of draws happening in <laughs> <And>, uh <laughs> yeah. the what's this league called again? The um, the oh, per, is it North? No, it's um National League, National, National League. League. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Ron Reynolds, Rob. <laughs> <Hope the> team <laughs> can make it up <laughs> their owners, R.R. McReynolds Company LLC. Nice, right? McReynolds, McReynolds good. Company. Um, <laughs> he made, a, made a corp to buy the team. huh? No, he, like he has like Mint Mobile and all that stuff too. And the Under RR McReynolds?
1: No, they probably made that own. They probably, probably
2: made that. That's, <laughs> that's Ryan Reynolds and that's Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> so that's Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds McReynolds Reynolds is what that company name is. Ryan and Rob McReynolds. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds. McR-
1: <laughs> no, Rob and Ryan McReynolds.
2: Rob and Ryan or Ryan and Rob?
1: Well, whatever. Probably Ryan and Rob. He's, Ryan gets first first billing. Obviously.
2: Ryan and Rob McReynolds Company. Mint Mobile is probably not under. Oh my The McReynolds gosh. Company. I think Rob
1: would say yes to that.
2: Yeah. Ryan and Rob get a piece Mc of that Reynolds. pie. I didn't even realize that's so funny. I was like, oh, it's owned by Ryan Reynolds Corporation or now McReynolds Company. He's like, that's yeah, McReynolds. That's <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, the Mick's just like a little abbreviation. There. Mick Reynolds. It still says Reynolds, which I'm sure they, <laughs> Crazy. they talk about that in their in their oh business gosh. meetings. Um, Ryan gets top billing most of the time, I believe. Um, but yeah, that's, your, that's our little wrap-up for, for this uh, this episode, for this week. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably get bad. Yeah, we'll get together next week. Yeah, definitely. Of course. Um, just discuss something that happens. But if that's it for you guys. Good. Yeah. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening. You can get the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Music, um, Google Play Songs, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that stuff. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, yeah. You'll tune in next week after all the week's action. See yeah, everyone. See ya. Ciao.